Hi, Chinasa. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, okay, I just sent you an invite to speak. Uh, all right. Um, Chinasa, can you confirm that you got the invite to speak? Uh, the, I just sent you now the Twitter fake invite. Oh, okay. Okay, I think she's probably having like some issues joining. Um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Lesson. I am head of platform at Agent Capital. And today we are going to be talking about how to craft your pitch. And with me on the call, um, Tinas is going to join us in a bit. I think we're having just like a little bit of like logistic issues for. Um, let me just send her a message and find out what's going on. Okay, yes, yeah, she's back. All right. Um, fantastic. So she's back on as a speaker. Uh, okay, so Tinasa, um, yeah, so Tinasa is a venture partner at Agent Capital. She is also a computer science PhD candidate at Cornell University. She has participated in the Blueprint Investor Track at Dom Room Fund and Building Breakthroughs Program at Floodgate. So Tinasa is also an angel investor in startups and she also advises startups. And she is passionate about supporting the African diaspora to pursue entrepreneurship on the continent of Africa. Welcome Tinasa. I'm really excited to, hear, to have you here. I feel like yeah, thank you for having me. You know, those nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, can you hear me correctly? Yes, I can. Actually. Okay, awesome. Yeah, this is my first time speaking in this space, so I'm happy to be here. So great. Um, thank you, everybody, for for coming, and I'm um, looking forward to answering questions. Right. Okay. So um, we're going to like go to the already pre-planned questions, and afterwards we're going to open the floor for everybody else who wants to ask questions. Again, the aim of this space is just to help teach founders or help um, founders know what VCs and investors are looking out for whenever they, you know, pitch their businesses to them, and also for them to like ask questions about, oh, yeah, um, what is actually Am I missing out, you know, when or what exactly did I miss out on when did you said, oh, um, they can't invest in our business. All right. So uh, my first question to you, Tinasa, is um, what are some of the common mistakes people make when teaching? Like in your experience, what have you noticed that people, you know, make mistakes on when they were pitching yeah. their startups or something? Yeah, so I guess I can talk both about um like speaking pitches, verbal pitches, and also just like pitch decks. Um, I'll yeah. probably provide a bit more information um, on the pitch decks. But in terms of speaking, I just, uh, I would say not being prepared. Um, I think it's, you know, the process of, of pitching can be very um, intensive, especially um, when you have to, and also like nerve wracking, uh, when you have to, you know, get up the nerves um, to talk to someone for the first time. And so um, sometimes, you know, you may be, you may forget things. And I think that um, it's definitely fine to have notes um, and also um, both like in your slide deck um, and also like on the side. Um, so you can refer to them um, throughout um, any time in your presentation. And then also some things um, I would say is just, um, not things not having that excuse me, not having enough clarification 
um, when you are um, responding to answers, excuse me, responding to questions. Um, and then also like on the pitch deck specifically, um, I think that uh, people are using um, a lot of, let's see, like acronyms or um, also just like jargon um, is not really helpful. Except for, you know, if the, the firm you're picking to um, is like specific to your uh, respective field. Um, and so those are things I would say um, I see as common um, mistakes. And I'm happy to have Eunice, um, who is the founder um, of Virgin Capital, also pitch into as needed. All right, Eunice, would you like to, um, you know, pitch in to just say something about uh, what you've noticed that people may have mistakes on, you know, their pitch decks or their presentation or their pitches? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, over the last couple of months, we have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pitches, uh, pitch decks. <laughs> and um, I'll say initially, right, um, especially for startup founders, most investors usually take about 30 seconds to maybe one minute um, to go over your deck right so i think my advice is you know make sure that you highlight um like key metrics i think you know for me like the top 10 things when i look when i'm like when i'm scrolling through a deck um actually not even then i have like five things that i look for i think the first thing is always like what exactly is this problem do i really understand what the problem is right what is the solution that this founder is you know it's using to be able to solve this problem after like i'm like if i get the problem and i get the solution that's great the next thing i'm looking at is you know how big is your market like is this a problem that you know only you and like your friends have or like you know people in your particular country have or is this like uh, a problem that you can spread across the whole of the continent or even globally right like maybe you can leave from kenya and then go to mexico for example if the market is big, the next thing that I want to look at is, you know, like, what have you done? Like, what kind of traction do you have? Have you built a product, right? You have a demo, you have an MVP. Do you have traction? Have you made any sales? Do you have customers, right? Um, and by the time I'm, I'm, I'm going through that, the next thing that I like to pay attention is your team, right? What experience does your team have? Um, what have you put on there? How did you even get started with this idea? And if you can really articulate, I think I mentioned like five or six points, right? If you can yeah. really articulate these six points by the time I'm getting to slide 10, right? Then now you're making me pay attention. Now I'm, I'm interested to engage a little bit more with your deck. But I'll say like some, some things that like will throw me up off the bat is if you're sending me a business plan, for example, I've seen people like send us business plan with 50 to 100 pages of how they want to uh, put something out there and like nobody has time for that. So please don't send us business plans. Literally put together a deck, anything between 10 to 20 slides max um, should be recommended. Um, and make sure that you articulate the main points. So the problem, the solution, the product, the traction, and then the team at the top to make sure that you know we're, we're seeing what like the problem you're trying to solve. I know it's a little bit long and this is not my my space, but um, I guess I just wanted to mention that. 
fantastic um thank you so much for just like joining in um my next question Tinata, is um how do you know like if your idea is worth pitching because like you know it's i think ideas are, are like a dime a dozen you know mm-hmm. so um how do you know that this is like the next million dollar startup for instance <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you, you honestly never know, but I think the biggest thing is just that you're passionate about it. That you, you especially that you have a clear vision. Um, a lot of times, you know, people aren't able to uh, clearly articulate um, the ideas that they have um, when it comes to you know companies, startups, uh, whatever. And so ensuring that you have that, I think having that passion um, can help you articulate your vision a bit more. And then also when it comes to pitching, just in general, um, you you have to tailor your pitch um, to the person you're pitching to. And so I think the biggest thing is that a lot of times um, what I've seen um, from pitches uh, to a gene more specifically, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is that uh, the, I would say we pretty much have like very clear criteria on our website. Um, if it's not, we're always happy to take um, feedback on that. But, you know, pitching, um, you know, things like, I think we had a movie or like some kind of like docu or like some kind of TV series pitched to us, which is, which really isn't, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, within um, our thesis. And so um, ensuring that, you know, it aligns with what we do is really important. And so even if you you have um, a company or startup that, you know, fits into a lot of different uh, buckets, especially when it comes to um, different areas, um, you just want to ensure that for, for us, like for a gene specifically, like you mentioned, um, things like from our website that also like align with your company. And so that helps us know that one, you've done your research and also that um, we see a clear uh, potential connection um, to, um, you know, pitching or actually investing um, in your company as well. Right, awesome. You know, you you just totally like answered my next question because my next question was going to be how was the best way to tailor your pitch to the person you're pitching to go like, I mean, got it. It's basically like do your research, know what their investment thesis is and then mm-hmm. tailor it to suit every information you have found out about them. So mm-hmm. my next question would be um, about rejection, you know. So um, a lot of times, like, we, I, I will tell you we received up to like I mean you also know we received yeah. hundreds and hundreds of pitches and mm-hmm. we're not going to invest in all of them we probably will not invest in up to let's say one third of them <laughs> you know definitely so, yeah. <laughs> and that's a very great number so like yeah. how does the founder or how should the founder respond to rejection I mean it breaks mm-hmm. my heart every time I have to send a rejection email yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah Yes, I would say, you know, the first thing, you never want to respond to rejection negatively. Uh, That's the biggest thing because, you know, relationships are very important uh, when it comes to just the entrepreneurship, um, tech ecosystem um, in general, because, you know, it's very small, um, even though it's also like very big as well. And so keeping those relationships um, can also help. And so uh, this also reminds me just like a stat that I saw yesterday about, you know, a lot of companies that are in this, you know, current YC cycle, Y Combinator, actually did not um, actually applied again or were rejected previously. Um, and so, you know, rejection is not the end all be all. I think um, using the feedback that you get from rejection is always a great way to learn. I always learn um, a lot um, when I'm rejected for things or just like when I get things wrong. Um, and so yeah. um, I think that the best thing to do is, you know, always uh, send a follow-up email, you know, be very gracious. Um, and then again, like I said, you may have the opportunity in the future to pitch. Um, as you progress with your company um, or startup. And so uh, don't take it um, as a final rejection because I don't really see that um, as a thing. 
we, I got a, reject, a, a response to the re, to rejection email I sent out recently, and the response was lol, and I was just like, oh my god. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, that's somebody I probably wouldn't want to work with. So I know, was like, know, oh, wow. yeah, don't be petty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay, yeah. fantastic. All yeah. right, so um. What if you don't have any contacts in the industry you find breaking through? For instance, a couple of um, VCs have said, okay, they are removing, like us on, on Agent Capital's website, you can apply via our form. But like, I've seen VC companies that say, okay, we're taking off our form. We only want mm-hmm. to see um, people who reach out, like people who reach out to people that we know, you know. But like, I mean, not everybody has access mm. so yeah. what happens when you don't have any contact in the industry you're trying to break into what happens then i see yeah so i think the biggest thing is you know to work on actually building those relationships and so honestly i would say just in terms of vc i've seen the trend um actually becoming more open rather than you know how it's been so traditionally closed um in the past where you had to have like i don't know a warm intro um, or these you know, other connect to connect with the person you really needed to get in contact with. And so, again, you know, taking advantage of different platforms. LinkedIn is obviously the best. So connecting with people there. Um, also, um, not just like sending random connection requests, but also like just providing a little bit of context as to why you're connecting. And I think that helps uh, me, me specifically, like filter out who was trying to connect with me and also why. Um, and then from there, like I'd be happy, um, you know, to, I don't know, link you to someone else or just in general, I feel like maybe other people would be happy to do the same thing. But again, you want to ensure like you've done research on the person themselves and then also provide a bit more context. Um, and then it, I think there's also a lot of communities um, within, obviously, like, just tech and VC in general, um, where founders can network with each other. Because I think, you know, parallel networking is actually very valuable and people um, underestimate the, the impact of that just because, you know, you want to um, you want to have community with your fellow founders as well because they can provide you with a lot of context. Um, it's not necessarily, um, you don't always need to have um, someone be ahead of you or like above you, quote unquote, um, to see them uh, as a good networking uh, connection because um, also like referring to YC as well, um, they have a very strong community within um, their founder cohorts, excuse me, um, and, uh, you know, people always bounce off ideas uh, with each other, and these are great ways to get feedback, Um, and also, like, throughout your process um, of being a startup founder, it's really great just to have someone um, you can talk to or fit to, um, even so, so, um, again, um, don't underestimate uh, the value of networking parallel. Yeah. Is there a correct way to teach an idea? Is that like a, a set way or a correct way or a way that when you pitch it, I get it's going to make you stand out from the crowd? I see. Uh, so, I mean, there are probably, you know, like different templates out there um, online uh, where people, you know, talk about, you know, these are things you should mention in the pitch. I know Denise has also um, talked about things that you know, she likes to see um, in a pitch deck or a pitch um, more specifically or generally. Um, and so I think for me, it's just, again, ensuring that your vision is articulated very clearly. Um, and so, you know, having just a very clear, like um, a short like vision statement is always helpful. So one that we can understand um, what you're actually talking about and then also I think uh, within your pitch um, having you know different aspects that uh, let us know specifically um, that you have the I would say uh, background and also like support um, to actually execute this idea because one one thing I notice a lot is that sometimes people you know 
they are passionate about idea, but they might may not specifically be the best person um, to do this. And so having a team uh, where we can like know more about like what your members on your team have done in the past and also like, um, you know, things they have, uh, like prior startups they've worked on um, or like, you know, their degrees or whatever is also very helpful um, as well. And so I saw that you used to meet it, so I'm, I'm happy to um, have her jump into. Mm -hmm. Yes, would you like to jump into, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like I'm, I'm assuming um, the best way of pitching from a cold email or a cold message standpoint. Um, I think I had one of, I mean, I think I'll probably continue to celebrate this founder, but I think I had one of the best cold emails from a Nigerian founder um, not long ago. The name of the company is Crips. And I'm going to say, I mean, <laughs> he was very articulate. He did everything from, hello, Eunice, I hope you're doing well. You know, I got your email from this particular person. And then, like he said, my name is, you know, like this. And then he literally, like, put a link of his name to from, like, a Wikipedia page. Uh, I'm like, okay, like, this founder has a Wikipedia page. After putting his name, he said, you know, I'm the founder and CEO of, of Crips. You know, we are a company that does this, this, this. Right now, we have 82 team members. We have completed this many trips and we are currently in three African countries. You know, we're incorporated in the U.S. And here are some news that you can find about us online. You know, our investors at Google, this, 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 microtraction and way much more. We would love to have you as one of our investors. I mean, like his email was very well crafted. From the moment he sent me an email, you know, he's like, this is an investment opportunity and it's at a discounted rate. Um, and after I, I, I got a hold of him, you know, we had a meeting. Um, after that meeting, a lot of investors like to take time, right? They have to reflect. They have to do their due diligence. They have to research. He kept me updated on everything that they were doing on a weekly basis. Right, he was like, This week I'm super excited. Trips got to one million, you know, like transaction, blah blah blah. And he just kept sending me emails and emails, like, until I was like, Oh my god, like, you know what I mean? For me, I was like, That is resilience, that is consistency. And you can tell when you speak with that founder that they will go far no matter what. And I wish, I, I think, I would love to just like have a meeting with him where i can publicly share about his experience um on like how to reach out to investors um like if you if you come and you're sharing all the right metrics right it's like tell the investor first of all what the investment opportunity is and you know because again at the end of the day you're selling a story after telling them say who are you right like who am i what is my company doing what are the major metrics right that you should be excited about my company and why we're going to succeed and then say hey this like you know like these are other people that are talking about us and you know like here's why i think you should be an amazing investor on our cap table if any founders knew how to do storytelling like that i mean i would say they can sell to anybody 
Um, and that was my experience. It, it's really about telling a story, right? Like reflect on like, okay, what does this investor want? Put yourself in their shoe, right? Every investor out there is looking for the best deal possible, right? Whether you're cold out, you're just reaching out to them via a cold email, you're sending them a LinkedIn message, or you're pitching them on their website, right they are looking for the best deals and you can if you can present yourself saying hey i know you are looking for me and i know i have what you want right they will pay attention to you that's how i think any in like any startup founder should think about reaching out to investors if you're reaching out to investors thinking that they're scared you're scared of them or that oh my god i don't think they'll invest in me and you have all these doubts it's going to reflect in your in your in your message but if you know that investors are out there looking for the best opportunity and you believe deep inside you that you have the best opportunity and they'll be missing out if they don't know about what you're doing the investor will see right through your cold email and your pitch anyway that's my own two cents <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Elise. That was very, very deeply insightful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think let me just announce that um, I'm opening the floor for questions. We're reaching like the tail end of our question for Tinasa, and I would like her to answer some of the burning mm-hmm. questions that you guys have. So I'm opening the floor for questions from everybody. Um, I already have one request, so I'm just going to allow her to speak. Black women, black women in AI. Okay, um, yeah. So, black women in AI. You can now ask your question. Uh, yes, on? Uh, uh, I think you're muted. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity to ask a question. Is there, and you may have already covered this and I may have missed it. Is there a specific site or a website or anywhere where people who are new to, um, you know, uh, presenting decks and things of that nature, is there a website that has resources so that they can go there particularly, specifically to find out how to do this? Um, I know that um, the young lady said it's about storytelling and I agree, but there are certain things that I guess you guys are expecting for people Mm -hmm. to present to you in that storytelling and, and in a particular way. So is there a particular resource that you would point someone to who is very new in doing this portion? Yes, yeah, so I'm having, right. I'm yeah, I'm Googling stuff um at the moment. On our on our website we just mentioned oh like you know pitch us and, and all that stuff, but there's a lot of different um, resources. Honestly, just like Googling is, is the best way. Um and also I would say like looking at um pitch decks of startups that you admire if you're able to access them. I know it can be a bit hard to do. I know a lot of um like bigger companies now have like released their pitch their early pitch decks like Airbnb. That's not the standard, you know, up today. But just like looking at, you know, how they presented their information is always super helpful um, as well. And just um, I would say for um, I know about more resources for like venture capital in general, and so I'm happy to like share those um, as well. Like the biggest one um, um, is Venture Deals. It's, also, it's both a book um, and a course. 
Um, and so that can also like help you um, from both like the investor and founder side, just learn like um, how you need to present your company as well. So yeah, and I'll let you speak. No, I mean, I think, um, I think Y Combinator is like a great resource. I think they have um, a lot of articles around you, trusting your deck, the different slides you need to have in your deck. I mean, I think I'll just go into like some of the white combinator resources and they have a lot, they have a lot of um, resources on there on how to draft a good pitch deck or like even a cold email to investors. And again, Google is your best friend. And, and um, to add to that, YC actually has, Y Combinator actually has a startup school, you know, and yeah, I that think too. it's super amazing for founders, to be honest. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for allowing me to ask a question. And I just wanted to just say one thing to everyone who is listening. Um, not right now does not mean no. Just kind of understand that some people may say we, we can't work with you right now. That doesn't mean no and it doesn't mean never. So I encourage you guys to continue on with your journey. And thank you guys so much again for the opportunity to speak. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. thank you. All right, we have a second question from Posh Baba. Okay, so uh, I actually like, I actually okay. like what she just said because, like, even with us at Agim Capital, as we are going through um, just all the decks, we have some decks that we are like some companies where we are like we really like what they are doing, right? It's not just right now. We want to see a little bit more traction. So, like, our rejection email to them is. Hey, here are some feedbacks on like how we think you can improve your company, but we would love to stay in touch, right? And one of the things that I mentioned in my call outreach is keep investors updated, right? If you're speaking to an investor, make sure you have a monthly update where you keep up with them with your progress, right? You can say, hey, this month we had, we onboarded one of our biggest customers, right? Or like this month, we finally hired a senior product developer, a, a senior software developer, and he's been amazing. And just keep them posted with your updates. When you do that, you get your investors engaged. Um, and, you know, like, even if they had they said no previously, just the simple fact that you're constantly reaching out to them, might say, hey, let's get on another meeting. Let me see how things are going. Awesome. Definitely. Amazing. Um, so, Swash, would you like to ask your question now? Hi. Good evening, everyone. Yes, I would like to ask my question now. Can I go on? Yes, you can. Okay. Hi, Eunice. Good evening, um, Chinasa and the host. So, my name is Shei Shubai, and uh, my question is about um, when Eunice was um, talking about um, trips. So, she mentioned um, that um, the mail was well, you know, articulated, you know, so for... A startup founder, first-time founder, right? Um, who's uh, who's trying to bootstrap? You know, uh, there's no way for me. Okay, let me just use myself as an example. There's no way for me to build like this big team in the beginning, so I have to st- stay lean. And now she said, part of the thing she she checks um, in a deck is that she wants to see the team behind um, behind the product behind the company so sometimes i'm um, a founder like someone like me now like i i, I had um 
a front front end i'm working with a back end because i'm non-technical founder so two questions in one first question um Ajim capital do you guys invest in non-technical single founders or it must be um a co-founder i mean or the company must have a co-founder with a technical background and then um i think that's it okay yeah i think and then the second question for uh founder who is bootstrapping without um you know a team um of note will you consider it and then um i think the third one was supposed to be um the question um, the answer unis gave before my question which is the feedback she gives to founders like okay we can do this and this is what we think you should work on i think that um, that's wonderful so yeah that's my these are my questions i'm actually curious which question am i supposed to answer first <laughs> yeah so the first question i it was as i was thinking it was in reference to what i mentioned about just looking at the team from what i know um, and also like me happy feel free to correct me uh, we don't specifically have a mandate stating like oh we only support like you know people with technical founders or like we don't support solo founders etc etc um, sure. i think for me it just it, with me having such a technical background it, it to seeing um, a team with people who do um, is a very good indicator again you know not all teams are perfect and so all we're looking, we can only see what what you present um, on your screen um, or on your on your deck but um, again it is helpful to have someone with that experience and not you know not rely on contractors or freelancers um, to help you um, with that uh, part of it but yeah ah, okay awesome thank you I think one thing, and, and I want to make sure that I answer your question correctly. Um, you ask, does Ajim Capital invest in single founders? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think why we wouldn't, right? Um, but I think the, the right question that maybe you should ask is, you know, would we invest in an idea? in an, just an MVP or will we invest in, you know, a product that, you know, is out there and, you know, have customers and, you know, you're actually solving a problem that, you know, um, reflects our thesis, right? I think mm-hmm. that's the way you should probably think about this, not necessarily from the fact that you're a single founder or you have co-founders. Oh, awesome. Um, thanks for rephrasing the question. Uh, we love um, your answer to that. Okay. Um, so the way I, I, we, we think about our thesis, right? We yep. look, you know, first of all, like I mentioned earlier, like the problem, like what problem are you solving? Is this a problem that, you know, is meaningful to, uh, to the African community or, you know, particularly to your country? Is this a problem that, you know, it's, it has a huge market, which means it's not just a problem that you and your friends have, but it's a problem that we know can scale beyond, right? Like where you live um, and even scale globally. That's the first thing. Does the solution, um, does the solution make sense for the problem that you're solving? And for that particular solution, it has to be a tech solution because we don't invest in non-technical. We don't even invest in hardware. So it has to be a software product. Um, If you have the software product, again, we don't expect your product to be perfect, 
but we expect you to have a minimum viable product which means that it is the minimum viable product that is solving the problem for your customers and they're willing to pay for it or are willing to use it while you keep iterating and improving them to fit whatever problem that they currently have so if you can show me that you have a problem that is meaningful and is huge right you have the product or the solution and then you have some traction so you have customers that are willing to pay you for it then you are talking and i will assume you probably have a small team and what i mean team is like the founder and maybe a software engineer and um you know maybe like a marketing professional but somebody that is helping you because i think for me i think it would be very difficult for me to believe you that you probably have a few thousand dollars in revenue a month and you're doing everything by yourself okay thank you so much for the insight um i really appreciate you're welcome and when founders come to me and they tell me that you know i've been bootstrapping and i can't find funding that's the reason why i'm not progressing with my company i tell them maybe you're bootstrapping the wrong way (laughs) right (laughs) because like the way you should be thinking about bootstrapping is not spending your own money is finding customers that are willing to pay you to solve the problem that they have. Because if it was really a big problem, somebody would be willing to pay you to fix the problem that they have. Okay. Okay, Amazing. that's it for me. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. We have somebody else, Dennis Nyamawi. I hope I got that right. So Dennis, you can now speak and ask your question. Mm. Is Dennis on? Okay, he's still trying to connect. Um. Okay. Okay, that's not going through. Um, can you hear me, Bill? Tanata? Yes, I can. Okay, okay. I just wanted to be sure. All right. Um. So my next question to you, Tanata, would be, um, how do you deal with nerves when you're pitching? Yeah, I would say that nerves are a very normal part um, of pitching for me. Like if I, or just like speaking in general, um, if I don't mm-hmm. get a little bit nervous, then, you know, I feel like I'm not, I haven't prepared enough. Um, but I think that, you know, dealing with nerves um, can also be helped um, with just ensuring that you're prepared. But again, it is a natural thing. But um, I would say if, if there is a point um, if you get to a point where your nerves, you know, prohibit you um, from pitching successfully, then that's definitely something that uh, you should be able to work out. So I think um, having other guides or aids, um, you know, like uh, notes or like different post-its where you can, um, you know, have uh, or even like other documents where you just have, you know, maybe like questions, answers to questions like pre-written up, um, like questions, uh, you know, that you assume or or guess like, you know, the 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 investors or whoever you're pitching to um, will ask you. I think uh, that's a, a can help with nervous a lot. And then also, um, I would say, you know, just taking a deep breath um, before you go into your presentation and also providing a lot of like positive feedback to yourself, um, either through verbal, um, you know, uh, verbal methods or just even physical methods like smiling can also help uh, with that as well. So yeah, a lot of different ways. But again, um, you 
just have to figure out um, what works best for you. So it looks like Dennis is uh, back up. Oh, and then um, you need to go ahead. Yeah, I think um, the way I think about nerves, right? Um, I've been a founder myself, right? And I have teached hundreds and hundreds of investors. Um, and I think like practice makes perfect, right? Like that's the first thing. But I think in terms of like, just how do you prepare for a pitch? I remember like in my early days of a startup founder, and I think this helped me out so much, right? I had two ways. The first one was I have my pitch. And, and, and back then, right, a lot of the pitching was done in person. Um, versus now where like you actually have an advantage where a lot of the pitch are done via video. But back then what I would do is I had two strategies. My first one was, right, I would write my pitch down, right? I mean, and again, there's so many resources out there on how to craft the perfect pitch. Um, and I would come a little bit further down with a different um, opinion how to craft the perfect pitch. And this is if you're like getting on a phone call, you have your pitch deck ready and you're going through your deck with the investor, right? I will stand in front of the mirror and I will pitch to myself again and again and again and again until like, it feels like it is a story. It feels comfortable. It doesn't feel like I'm trying too much. After that, I'll take my phone and I'll ask my husband to record me, right? And I'll say, record me why I'm, you know, I'm pitching. I'll time myself. I'm like, I only want five minutes to go through the deck. And then I'll record myself, pitch, 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 look at the video, see the way I'm, I'm my face look, you know, like listen to my words. Like if something sounds funny or weird, I'll be like, okay, I need to change that. But because when you see yourself pitching, you can see yourself the way the investor is looking at you when you're pitching. And I think it helps you tremendously. Right. So that is if you're pitching where it's like the investor expects you to get on the phone call, pull your deck and then pitch them from start to finish. I actually think that has changed tremendously in the last few years. Right. When I get on phone calls with startup founders, I don't expect them to pull out their deck and pitch me because the, the, the truth is that before I even accepted to get on a meeting with them, I had already reviewed the deck. Right. I actually prefer when it's a conversation. And what I mean by conversation is I'm a storyteller. I think I believe, I remember stories more than I remember facts. Some of the best yeah. founders that I have gotten on phone calls with, tell them, tell me first, right, their background, your story of how it led them to becoming a founder or to starting a, a specific company. Because I will remember exactly why you thought that, hey, this was an amazing idea or this was a pain in the butt, right? And I decided that it was time for me to fix it. I will remember that story more than I will remember all the facts about your startup. So I'll actually recommend when you get on meetings with, found with investors, when you give your introduction, introduce yourself tell the story about why, right? You started this, you started this, this, this product or this startup and then go into a conversation, right? It's a question and answer type of thing. And always ask the investor, um, you know, like, would you want me to go over the deck or would you rather have a conversation? Most of them would tell you what they expect of you, but you want to be ready for both. 
and then the investor can just ask you questions and you can respond i think that for me is the best way and the value of the 30 minutes that you usually have when you get on meetings with investors but yeah i think i went a little bit long but <laughs> i think this is something that super passionate about i've been on both sides of the table so i can relate to like any founder and i always try to make them comfortable so no pressure just 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 say hey i if you believe in what you're doing and that your that the product you're, you're you're bringing to the world is meaningful um you shouldn't you, you shouldn't feel nervous in fact you should feel very comfortable awesome all right um so dennis you can speak now and ask a question hi tim uh i'm dennis nyamawi from kenya so first and foremost I just thank uh, thank everyone uh to, and uh, me being given this opportunity is such an honor. So my question here is uh with all this frustration that you're going through like a founder uh did uh, you already started it were you all in this same or we are just because I think mine is just on another another level So maybe if you can get some word of encouragement about it if there is just the real deal how it is. Uh the second thing is that uh, is it bad for a founder now that uh, you're trying to pitch your idea because you have that experience uh you have been uh, you have been involved directly with this and uh, giving the idea to someone else and then someone implements the idea but on a wrongly way and uh at long run you see like uh it's not it's not going in it's not how you have you would have taken it because uh some instances that uh, uh i had some few encounters whereby i had some people who had their money they came and uh, because you know you're that naive you don't have any cash and someone offers to give you a salary and uh they tell you that you're going to take this idea to the next level and you sit down you give them the blueprint of it but not all and then the guy just implement it after one year or two years and then it's like you're a sugar cane that just chewed you and the chaff is out so how what's uh, what can you just tell me or maybe some other founders are going through it uh, that uh, can really really change and um, help Thank you. Right. Uh Tina, I'd like to answer that. Yes, I'll try. There was a, a lot of questions in there. Also, I did not really understand the first question, but going into some points um, from this second question, um I think the biggest thing is that I know people a lot of times can be, you know, scared or afraid to share their ideas with other people in terms of, you know, getting them stolen or I mean, you're re-implementing as you mentioned in this case and you also mentioned like they did it wrongly and so if you feel like you're the best person to, you know, implement or you know execute an idea correctly then you should just go ahead with it because, you know, it's you um you you believe that you believe in yourself and you believe that you have the best background um and you know perspective skills to do it and so you should just go ahead and not be um you know as afraid or intimidated to do so because again there are a lot of companies that are operating um within the same field the same domain domain especially um in fintech within the african continent and so again there is space um for everyone uh that's 
let's say not specifically everyone, but you know, there's a lot of competitors of our exist um, in multiple spaces across different industries. And so that's something that um, you shouldn't uh, be worried about. But if you're able to, um, I would say, restate your first question, um, I'll be happy to answer it. I just didn't really understand um, what the context was. I mean, and, and I'll answer the I'll answer the second question too because I personally did not hear or understand the first question. But I think it's always an interesting idea when people say I'm scared that somebody's going to steal my startup. And yeah, I mean, it's a valid fear, right? But I I don't think fear will take you anywhere, right? Because at the end of the day, um, if if you think that you're the best person, right, to, and, and there are a lot of, I feel like in Africa, we still have so many opportunities, right? In the US, I usually laugh when I say, I feel like people just have too many options for too many things. And what I mean by that is that in the US, it is very common to go to the supermarket and find 20 kinds of cereals in fact maybe hundreds of cereals right and every single one of them comes with their different flavors and tastes and goods and bats right but the truth is that if you have an idea and you're scared of somebody stealing it just know that that person will never build that company the same way that you will and maybe you have your tribe and your consumer out there that will prefer the way you do things, right? Um, so I'll just say, just go out there and build it. Like if you grow, if you go out there with a lot of fear that somebody will steal my idea, then you're never going to do anything. Um, yeah, like I don't want to talk too much about it, but like that's the only way I can think of it. It's like just go out and do it because you're you come with your own flavors and tastes and the people that can relate to the way you're building your product would, would stick with you. Thank you, Nick. The right. first question. Thank you. The first question was, uh, you know, like most of the founders on, on my studio is that uh, I'm a family man at a point and then you need to juggle between your finances and uh, you need to pay uh, the developers to do the app and everything. So, on it, you see that uh, you're employed, your funds are little, you you go that extent even to get some, you get your your, your things being disposed, that's uh, taking your car, you, you sell it so that at least you can raise the few amount so that the developer can develop you that uh, instrument. But here now is the problem. You have this brilliant idea, you're good in it, and then someone just comes and tells you, you know what? I know you're brilliant, but I wanted to use your skill so that uh, I can give employment. In between of that, you're being caught up that you cannot, you know, it's so hard for you to juggle. Now is that you don't have money, you need money, and you, at the same time, you want, uh, you want to just do your own way. You want to be free. You want that freedom. So on this uh, angle, uh, what approach should someone use or what advice do you give to people who are starting it and they're facing, they're facing it rough on the ground? I'll go first. Okay, I think yeah. um, I think, and I think I mentioned a little bit of this earlier. Um, it's just uh, the idea of like bootstrapping, you know, um, of 
hey, like I'm bootstrapping this company. I'm using a lot of my own money. Um, and I think one of the things that people usually get wrong, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to, I have this amazing idea and I think it's going to change and revolutionize the world. Um, and then they take a bunch of their money and then they go and they build something and then they realize that nobody actually gives a damn. I think the way you want to think about it is more from the sense of, I think I have this problem, right? Who else in my close network has the same problem? If nobody in your close network has the same problem, go out there and find your customer, right? Before you even spend any money on building something. And I'll give you a quick example. A few years back, again, I've, I've, I've been a hustler. One of the, one of the ideas that I had, because I used to have a, a hair, a hair, a hair, a hair salon was to have, was to make braided wigs. So I thought, oh my God, it'd be a really awesome idea. Like wigs sell in the US. And this is a stupid example because it has nothing to do with tech. But it was like, hey, this wig sell, will probably sell for $400 to $500 in the US, but I don't have a product right would i spend ten thousand dollars and go and manufacture like a bunch of weeks and then post it on the website and hope that somebody will buy or would i rather you know like find i literally went out and i found pictures online right of like you know very similar to what i was trying to do and i posted it and i run a few ads and then i made sales right so i took the money that i had from customers and I actually used that money to go manufacture the product. And then the more sales I made, the more I improved what I was doing. Moral of the story, um, even, in, and, and that's the thing for, the, the, for a technical product, right? Before even going out there and building a minimum viable product, go out first and do customer research. Who else has this particular problem that I have? Would that be willing to pay money to fix the problem, right? And if they are willing to pay money, how much would they be willing to pay? What does that solution look like for them? And your best customers might even say, hey, I'm even willing to pay you in advance or when you have your minimum viable product, bring it out, be willing to be your better destiny. And then you just improve the product as you're building uh, um, your customer base. Like, don't go out and spend a lot of money building something that you don't even know if somebody's going to use. Always start with your customers. And I think that's the misconception of like bootstrapping a lot of the time. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna spend a lot of my money and I'm going to go out there and I'm gonna build something amazing and I'll become a billionaire. Um, it doesn't work that way. And a lot of the times when you actually go out to fundraise, investors want to see that you actually have something that is meaningful, which is why a lot of the times people will prioritize seeing products and traction. The founders that are actually capable of raising money with just ideas are people that already have a network. Maybe they are previous founders, so they have the experience. They've maybe built a company in the past or they've gone to an Ivy League school, or they have rich uncles and rich aunties that are willing to give them money to build a product when they just have an idea. If you don't have rich uncles and rich aunties, if you don't have an Ivy League school, 
if you don't have all the things that privilege you know like when you're starting a company and you have that privilege right figure out a way how you can get to your customers first before using a lot of your own money or your personal savings anyway that's it for me thank you Eunice so I think we have another speaker yeah um hi hi we have Patrick yeah. Patrick uh-huh. yeah. My name is just a bit hard to pronounce. Yeah, so um, thank you for having me. I'm Patrick from Nairobi, Kenya. So um, a question to Ajim Capital and um, yeah, a question to Ajim Capital. So what's the what's the ideal company? Uh, is there do you have an ideal company or an ideal example of a company that you like to fund? Uh, another question is uh, from your Twitter bio: How early stage is early stage in terms of the companies that you you're looking to fund? And um, uh, final question is that: uh, What kind of corporate structure are you guys looking at? Like, uh, do you have a preference for Delaware incorporated companies or something of the sort? Thank you. I guess I'll okay. answer this. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think I'll answer your second question first. Um, Ajim Capital is a US-based fund that invests on the continent. So we, our preferred um, method of incorporation is the Delaware Seacorp. Um, and to answer your second question, a good example of companies that we like or we invest in, I would take um, a very simple example that was my personal experience. And again, this goes way beyond, you know, the kind of companies that we are looking at. Because first of all, we are um, just, you know, in terms of thesis, we are sector agnostic. Um, um, or fund, which means we invest across, you know, um, any sectors as long as it is a tech or tech-enabled company. But also we look for, you know, like, again, like I mentioned earlier, a minimum viable product that is post-traction and that has a small, strong team. So you need, it can't be just, you know, you're by yourself and you're running an amazing company. You need to have a, a team, at least. In terms of particular program, I'm going to take some examples that are already on our website. In my last tech company, I wanted to hire, you know, like there was a shortage in talent in the U.S. So I looked to hire Africans engineers. And I remember, you know, it was a hustle. Like we, we eventually hired, I think, a, a total of like 80 members across Nigeria, Rwanda, Kenya. But it was very difficult to find these people. I had to go on like GitHub pages, uh, African meetup communities, and just like ask founders, um, engineers to go and apply on our website. Eventually, we hired them, but then we came across so many issues. The first one was even finding the talent. So when I came across Talent QL, I was like, this is amazing. You know, it is a platform specifically where you can go out out there and, and hire African tech talent. Amazing, right? You've just made my life easier. And I see the opportunity that could scale way beyond the African continent. They could go into like other 
um, uh, countries across the world and all they are offering is that we make it easy for you to hire tech talent in emerging markets starting with africa that's an amazing idea it's very simple it's straight to the point i see the opportunity they had traction they had a product you know like great the second one thing that we came across was we had a very hard time paying um our engineers on the continent i remember having to drive to the bank at the end of every month to wire the money manually and when we had to wire the money it would take this this engineers anything between five to seven business days for them to like get them their, their salaries very bad experience for uh for for an employee and then we came across payday payday makes it super easy right for uh, anybody an employer and he, and he has his fees and he has his own challenges to start up right so we understand but they make it super easy for employers right in the u.s or anywhere across the world to pay the engineers blessing is one of my employees you know like it's just super easy for me to get on there you know with one click she gets the money instantly and then bang bang you know we're done for me i thought again back then i didn't know of all the different solutions that are out there but like back then i was like wait this is an amazing product the market is is, is big the, it is it has endless possibilities um and as long as you know the, the the founder and the team um have the drive the resilience the grit to move that product you know forward it has a huge capacity um of becoming amazing again it was an easy sale anyway this was for a, a way again and this is like a very limited with my personal experience but i think that amazing companies out there fixing you know like awesome problems with like a clean a very simple but clean solution and they have customers that are willing to pay them to solve their pain points um when you when you have something like that you know you're up to something amazing um your other questions you want to um re-ask them just so we can get get a grasp of it i think i answered both of his questions hey, you, did, yeah. you had a Why great answer yes yeah, she did she did she answered all of them okay. thank you okay. thank you all right um we have one more one more one other person who wants to ask another question just a minute Yeah, so SK we can now um I do want to be mindful of Shanaza and my time because we're almost getting towards the oh, end. So okay. we'll take this Yeah, this will be the last person we take. One question, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um so this is the last question. SK. Hi, uh good morning ladies and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um my name is Sekiru. I go by SK. I am a first year MBA student at UC Berkeley in the Bay Area. Um I'm a friend of Eunice um and I just got the notification when the room started so thank you for setting this up. Uh my I don't actually have a question. I was actually trying to speak in response to uh Dennis's earlier question. Uh Dennis asked really to uh to really common questions we've seen a lot in the venture space especially coming from african founders um i run the africa business club at uc berkeley and i also uh run uc lunch which is a campus based accelerator or incubator program for berkeley affiliated affiliated startups um a lot of times when we get um african founders uh people are really worried and concerned about someone stealing their ideas and i've also seen situations where 
you know, founders are asking potential investors to sign an NDA even before seeing the pitch deck. So I just want to reiterate that that's like the biggest number one turnoff for any potential investor. Uh, like Eunice and everyone else answered, uh, if you're solving a real problem and you believe you're the best at executing to solve that problem, you should not have any problem, you know, sharing your pitch deck. However, um, there are tools out there that allows you to kind of like manage or track who you send your pitch deck to or who is viewing your pitch deck. That way you kind of collect some kind of information or feedback and you know whose eyes have seen that pitch deck. Uh, one of such tools is called Carter, C-A-R-T-A. Uh, so that's something you definitely want to look into if you're like really concerned about you know someone seeing your pitch deck and implementing your idea. Uh, besides Carter, there are some other tools out there that you can kind of use to manage who opens the file, who's who's viewing the deck. You can collect their email address. You can do things like that. So you have options. Um, second question you had was around. Um, you know, like bootstrapping and, uh, you know, the struggle of having to fund your startup with your own money and, you know, having to still pay for all the responsibilities, your family man and things like that, which, like Eunice said, are very valid reasons. Um, however, besides using your own money, uh, and I know the landscape is completely different in Africa, there are a lot of programs out there that will give you tools and resources that you need to start your business. Uh, there are you know, Amazon does a really good program with like AWS credits. Um, there are institutes or accelerators or incubators out there that will throw a lot of tools and resources at you that it'll probably solve 50% of your startup problems in terms of setting up your payment system, setting up your cloud environment, your databases, things like that. Uh, there are options and a lot of like resources out there and we see this growing every day. So before you start you know, using your own money that you're supposed to use to feed your family or anything like that, look out there for options first. Uh, there's a lot of free resources, uh, and I again I, I qualify this that you know this the landscape might be different for Africa-based founders, but uh, there are a lot of free resources out there that you can definitely take advantage of before you resort to spending like your last money to bootstrap your startup. So, good luck to you guys. Um, you know what we're seeing a lot of traction from the continent, and you know I can't be more proud of what. Africans are building in the tech space. So thank you for everyone. And thank you for giving me the chance to speak. Yeah, thank you so thank much you for the great resources. Much. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I really appreciate it, SK, as well. I think, like you mentioned, a great point. There's so many accelerator programs out here that, you know, will take you pre-MVP, pre-product, pre-nothing, right? Like you just have an idea and you want to make it, bring it to fruition. Um, I think that that was a great point. And, and I think founders jump from like ID and then they go and they pitch VC. Um, and that's for me, I'm like, that's, a, you know, like don't waste your time. Like literally like start from levels. Um, I think programs, incubators and accelerators, and there are so many of them popping up now, as well as some of the free resources. I think even YC has something called the startup program. And I think they accept everybody. And I've taken that program as a as a as a founder myself, and I thought it was so valuable 
um, just in terms of the amount of education and learning you get, um, you know, even prior to even putting, like, even if you don't have an idea and you have dreams of becoming a founder, I would definitely recommend the YC Startup Program. It is free and it's available to anybody in the world just to register for it. All right. Thank you so much, Eunice, for those closing comments. Um, we have come to the end of this conversation. Thank you, Chinasa. Um, thank you, yeah, thank you for having who me. Us. Thank you so much. Um, see you next week, next um, next week Wednesday. We'll have something else on that event coming up on Wednesday next week. Be sure to join us same time next week. Bye bye. Right. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.